Thanks. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Hi, hi, hi. Wow. Uh, so last week we did our first in-person yes in a really long time. It was so wonderful. Um, we have another one coming up next week. I'll, I will send out a, an email to the Google group. If you're not already on the Google, Google group, you can click the link in the chat and uh, we can make sure you're make sure you get all the latest updates. Um, so last week I, I introduced this teaching of the three working grounds, something, uh, something I'm hoping we can focus on as a, as a community for the next months together. And these uh, three working grounds, they're three practice sets uh, that can serve as a focal point for our practice. Uh, a sort of working ground where we can cultivate and we can return to. Uh, and these three working grounds are the working ground of giving, dana, the ground of sila, virtue, and the ground of bhavana, meditation, cultivation. Sometimes these are called the, the three grounds of meritorious action, but I like the three working grounds. So... Um, Tonight we will dive a little more deeply into the working ground of bhavana, into the working ground of meditation, particularly exploring one way of looking at subjective experience that radically undermines suffering and weakens clinging as the heart grows wise. And that way of looking is called the five aggregates. So to get a handle on this, I'm gonna start with um, introducing a scenario um, you can imagine along with me, I am sitting on my meditation cushion. I'm living at a retreat center. Um, there I am minding my own meditation business and I'm intensely agitated. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm an angry meditator. Uh, and what is, what is agitating to me? I'm having a recurring thought about another practitioner, another person who's living there. And I'm, I'm agitated by what I'm, what I'm seeing in my mind. And it was a simple thing that was, that was agitating to me, like uh, not, not following him, not following some agreement about how we were going to dry dishes and put them away. And that was like really getting under my skin. Something like that. I think most all of us have had roommates before, so this might, this might be uh, part of your experience too. To illustrate how I, how I worked with this agitation in meditation, I'm going to set some context and explanation of what the five aggregates are. Um, so very generally, the context, uh, as, we're, as we're all well aware, anyone exposed to headlines might suspect that we are in the midst of what seem like repetitive cycles of suffering and uh, conflict and harm, like the wheel goes round and round. And whether these cycles stretch over, over several lifetimes or are limited for us to this single span, uh, in the Buddhist analysis, it's clinging that keeps us adhered to this wheel. It's going over and over and over. We go round and round, clinging, then selfing, and then suffering or all at once. And all the while, what we rely upon changes or vanishes, and what we hope to control uh, proves uncontrollable. 
that is not a particularly sunny outlook. And fortunately, that's not all that there is. Uh, life isn't merely suffering. And the kernel of good news within this context of continuous change is that precisely because all constructed experience changes, we are able to practice a path of cultivation and uh, liberation that, that, that generates the qualities of freedom and vision and wisdom and compassion simply because things are able to change. Uh, we can nourish the wholesome, we can denourish the unwholesome. It's inconstancy, in fact, that enables the arising of the beautiful. So here enter the five aggregates. Um, the five aggregates can be seen as both a stream of clinging or streams toward freedom. And to turn the stream from one to the other, the first step is clear recognition. Like, what are these? How do I recognize the five aggregates? Um, during this explanation, stick with me. It may be a little, it may end up being a little technical, but I, I promise it's worth it. Um, to start with the aggregates piece. Aggregates can also uh, be rendered as heaps or bundles, like a bundle of sticks. And the salient point is that they are constructed. They're heaped together. They're bundled together. Uh, rather than being one solid thing. So what are the five? The first, the first aggregate is form. form uh, the form aggregate is our experience of the body and the senses. I'm actually going to put these in the chat so you can, you can have that to refer to while we're talking. So form, think material form or think embodiment. This is the experience of your body and the experience of the senses through the body. Form aggregate especially uh, emphasizes this aspect of experience. So of course, each of us has some experience uh, meditating on the sensations of the body. That's precisely meditating on form. Um, what we may start to notice when meditating on form is that the parts of the body, like the head, the foot, the hand, we're actually experiencing them as concepts or thoughts. It's like a picture of, picture of a hand might come up in your mind while you're meditating on the area where the hand should be. But over time, what's revealed is that meditating on the sensations of the hand, it's just sensations arising and passing in space. And the idea of the hand is a concept. So this is something of meditating on the body, meditating on form. Moving from the body, the other four aggregates are of the mind. They're mental. The second is the aggregate of feeling tone. This is the mind's registering of experience as pleasant, registering as unpleasant, registering as neither pleasant nor unpleasant, registering as neutral. What's so important about meditating on feeling tone is that, uh, as Joseph Goldstein puts it, um, it is the conditioning factor for our reactions. You've probably heard this before. <laughs> the, uh, the pleasant, the mind has an, an underlying tendency to crave and lean into. The unpleasant, we push away, we feel aversion, agitation, 
and neutral, uh, neutral sensations, the mind's underlying tendency is actually just not even to notice the underlying uh, tendency to ignorance. So feeling tone, it's important because it's, it's a leverage point where we can get to know our conditioned responses and where we can have a significant influence on the development of skillfulness. So we have form, we have feeling tone. The third of the five aggregates is called perception. Perception as a Buddhist technical term, so it has a, it has a different meaning than our usual English usage of the word perception. And in this context, it means something very specific, which is the process of simple recognition and, and basic categorization. Uh, for example, when the mind has gathered enough sense data, the perception aggregate recognizes a foot as a foot, or it recognizes the color blue as blue just that very, very basic level of categorization. Um, also, it's also the, uh, the function that I see, I see a familiar face and the category or word of friend pops up in my mind, uh, that basic level of categorization. So sometimes this is innocuous. It's operating all the time or most all the time. Sometimes we rely on perceptions, the perception aggregate for our safety Think of, think of needing to discern green from yellow from red when you're driving a car. That's the function of the perception aggregate. Um, so it's, perception aggregate is sorting experience into these basic categories, here, there, hard, soft. The categories themselves are actually malleable. The perception aggregate is malleable. And the way the, way the mind naturally parses experience can change. And we can see how this has real consequences um, as we study things like implicit bias. When we're studying implicit bias, we're studying the function of the perception aggregate. And when we're reconditioning implicit bias, we're reconditioning the perception aggregate. So that's one, two, three. Form, feeling, perception. The fourth, formations. Uh, also called constructions so-called because it's the mind's constructing faculty. It creates uh, more complicated constructions than, than those basic categories of perception. They're actually of three kinds. It covers a lot of territory. Formations can be mental, bodily, verbal. They can cover thoughts, emotions, impulses, intentions. Um, for our purposes tonight, I just wanna zero in on thoughts. Think of formations as thoughts for the purpose of our discussion tonight. And it can be really powerful to see that formations are constructed, to see that thoughts are constructed of parts, of pieces. Th thoughts aren't one solid thing. Uh, an image, say, and a phrase we might think of as one thought. Or a thought might be a mental sound plus uh, a sensation. So we'll see, we'll see that this aggregate of formations is actually the key to the practice with the scenario that I, that I described at the beginning. Uh, working with formation is the thing that allowed it to unlock. Then the fifth aggregate, consciousness. This is the simple knowing faculty. 
it's uh, it's kind of fascinating because because in some ways it's the most mysterious. Like what is knowing? What is knowing? It's the most mysterious and it's the most simple of the five. Isn't that interesting? So as an aggregate, consciousness simply means knowing, the faculty that knows. So an object comes into view, the eye sees it, and conscious, the conscious aggregate knows it. And it's said that you can know, you can know that you were knowing because now you have a memory. Here it is, you see it, consciousness knows, now you have a memory of the thing. So consciousness knows the other four aggregates. Consciousness knows form, it knows feeling, it knows perception, it knows formations. The last thing I'll say just in this initial explanation is that the consciousness aggregate can be a significant access point to freedom. Particularly in that knowing, the knowing faculty, it doesn't favor one thing over another. There's no, there's no inclination involved in the knowing faculty, in the consciousness aggregate. It doesn't cling to anything. Uh, in, in that sort of spirit, you can say that knowing is, knowing is one of our greatest teachers. So one simple illustration that pulls all five of the aggregates together, uh, I like to think about, I like to think about a nice warm shower. <laughs> uh, so in the shower, you can imagine the sensations, the warm, the warm water on the skin, that's the form aggregate. The sounds, that's also the form aggregate, experienced through the body. And then mentally, the registering of warm water, let's say it's coming across as pleasant, that's the feeling aggregate. Perception, Perception is parsing into these basic categories, basic categories like uh, comfort or the category of water arises in the mind or the category you might, you might smell and the category of soap comes to mind. Very, very simple constructions. Formations might be the thoughts you're having while you're in the shower. Maybe you're singing in the shower. These are your formations. And consciousness knows the other four. So I, I list these and bring up the aggregates in the shower because this has actually been part of my part of my practice sometimes is I will I'll scan through the aggregates during daily activity just to see where they are, what they're up to. And I, I, I suggest a practice like that of basic recognition of the aggregates um, and as a basis of formal meditation practice. You can meditate on the five and sort of cycle through or stay with just one. And one of the points of this is uh, the importance of not waiting for an emergency before you get your <laughs> you get your uh, your emergency plan together. Or like don't don't wait uh, for an emergency. Don't wait till you have a flat tire before you learn how to use the tools. So let's return to that that uh, version of me sitting in the meditation hall, uh, angry at this other meditator. So, as I was sitting there, this recurring thought coming up, first thing I realized is that my rehearsal 
of how wrong this person was about this very innocuous activity of drying dishes, my rehearsal of that, it was only causing me to suffer. Like this was not an effective activity that was improving the situation in the sense that um, he was none the wiser. Uh, it was me who was having a worse time because this thought was cycling around. So motivated by that, I had some curiosity, like what, what is actually going on here? Here I am sitting on my meditation cushion, this thought is coming up. And what I started to notice is that whenever the scene of seeing this person in my mind handling the dishes and the dish towel in a certain kind of way, there was a chain reaction in my body. Uh, my body would get warmer. There was a sort of crescendo of unpleasant sensations. Uh, the muscles in my face would contract. And then there would be this impulse to say something. Uh, and then and my mental space would seem to close in around. And my mind, my mind figuratively grew smaller in those moments. So I started investigating like what the, the condition for all of this chain reaction is just a thought, just a thought. And it has this kind of like power in my, in my body and mind. So the next move was to start to tease the scene apart. I wanted to get a little closer to what precisely it was that was causing a chain reaction. Like what, what, what's the match strike that causes the heat? And I noticed that the thought included an image. It was us standing near the drying table, him holding a cloth, and I could see in my mind's eye in this image, he had a neutral, neutral face. So these were the sorts of form elements, the sensory data. The thought included other sensations that were registering as unpleasant. This was the, this was the feeling tone. Of course, there was uh, pressure in my head. There was a there was a perception. I had enough imagined data uh, data to assign these basic categories: towel, unpleasant, pressure, and uh, this this like attitude of wrong. This is wrong. The imagined scene also included some words, a formation. And the words were basically, no, we don't do it this way. We don't do it that way. Um, so looking at these different pieces, what was it precisely that was causing the reaction? I noticed that the, the imagined form, like his, his body and the towel, totally neutral. There was no charge whatsoever. It did not create the, the, the reaction. The image was just an image. I noticed that the, the sensations, they were unpleasant, but they weren't leading to a chain reaction. And what I, what I noticed was like the, the epicenter, the, the thing that set off the chain reaction was the combination of the pressure in my head and the words, actually, the thought, the formation, no, we don't do it that way. And having those two come together was like a little explosion. So in recognizing this with precision, somehow the chain reaction lost its power. It was like through teasing apart the whole scene, looking at each one of the aggregates, when I located, when I located the hottest spot, everything cooled. Um, and some, sometimes it can be really effective to hunt for the stuck spot like this, to hunt for the clinging. And all it takes sometimes 
for it to release is clearly seeing the sticking point. Um, I don't know if anyone re remembers this movie, The Men Who Stare at Goats, but there's a scene where they try this activity called cloud bursting, where they try to disperse a cloud by concentrating on it really hard. Uh, it's that same sort of thing. It's like uh, directing, directing awareness toward the scene and sort of teasing it apart. It's like once, the, once you can see the clinging, just poof, it's gone. So for the Buddha, he taught this, uh, taught this scheme of the aggregates over and over and over. It was actually the teaching during which his uh, son, the Venerable Rahula, was liberated. And playfully, I like, to think, I like to think of the Buddha as putting a giant flashing sign saying, hey, look right here, this is where the clinging happens. Form, feeling, perception, formations, consciousness. So because of this, to interrogate our experience in terms of the five aggregates supports the mind and heart to tease apart that which we commonly take as a single unified thing, a single unitary self, and instead viewing our experience um, but viewing our experience in this way, we start to see how it's, it's an interrelated flow of these different processes, highlighting these five as areas where we commonly get into trouble. So this can be an investigative practice with the five aggregates that's onward leading as the heart learns directly that the, ag the aggregates themselves are not permanent. And this takes some time to sort of dawn on the heart. Even if, even if it's very clear to us in our mind, there's like a, a slow shifting of the heart that takes place as it gets used to the fact that the aggregates are in fact impermanent, unstable, unreliable. This point is illustrated really vividly in the similes that the Buddha uses to, uh, to describe the aggregates. And he compares form to a, a lump of foam. He compares feeling uh, feeling tone to um, when a raindrop hits a pool of water and a little bubble comes up. Just boop. That little bubble. It's that fast. It's that fleeting. And Vedana is gone. And yet it can, it can dominate so much of our lives. Uh, feeling tone. P perception, he compared to a mirage. Formation to a, a plantain trunk that apparently there's no core. Uh, it's just these uh, these constructed pieces, and then consciousness to a magic show. The fleeting nature of the aggregates, the fleeting nature of these interrelated processes. Um, it's hardly a solid basis for a reliable, substantial self. And I hear echoes of this in. Uh, Dogen Zenji's short poem, which has these layers upon layers of interrelated, fleeting unreliability. His short poem goes like this. To what shall I liken the world? Moonlight, reflected in dewdrops, shaken from a crane's bill. To what shall I liken the world? Moonlight, reflected in dewdrops, shaken from a crane's bill. 
it's a fleeting and poignant life. And to paraphrase the Dalai Lama, uh, tomorrow or the next lifetime, we don't know which one will come first. So I find it instructive and encouraging to, it, under these circumstances, to learn how practitioners um, who've been making their way in the Dharma for a long time have come to terms with the matter of life and death through Buddhist practice. An investigation of the aggregates is one of these ways. So I, I want to share a story from a, um, a Dharma teacher named Guy Armstrong, uh, and in which he describes what he, what he learned when he took up the five aggregates for contemplation as he was grieving the loss of his older sister. Um, you'll notice that he makes use of a simplified version of the aggregates instead of five he analyzes three, uh, form, formations, and consciousness. And putting it another way, he summarizes this as uh, the body and its sense impressions, second, mental states, and third, the knowing faculty. So very loosely, you could say body, mind, knowing. So I'm going to read his story verbatim because uh, the, way he's, the way he does it is so lovely. So this is Guy Armstrong. He says, I had two older sisters. Linda was seven when I was born and Judy was five. At age 51, Judy died suddenly and unexpectedly. Her death was hard for me. We were close and I had no warning, no time to prepare. I was plunged into two months of grief during which the world seemed a dark and gloomy place. I felt a lot of sadness for her husband and children because she was the spark and heart of the family. But I also felt the loss myself. Judy was a big personality who expressed great warmth, humor, and joy, and I missed her. At the same time, a Dharma thread piqued my interest. What happened to Judy? Where had she gone? Where was she now? She had been a solid presence a few days earlier, and now there was just this lifeless body. What was going on? So for the first time, I, l I let in the age-old mystery of death. It had sunk its teeth in, and I had to understand. By then, he continues, I was familiar with the Buddhist teaching on not-self. But in my limited understanding, I had ascribed quite naturally to my sister a strong sense of solidity. Clearly, there was more for me to see. I took up the five aggregates for reflection using the simpler version of just three aggregates, form, formations, and consciousness. I began by focusing on the sense I had of my sister's self, since its absence was now so puzzling to me. When I called her to mind, I would envision her body, which was usually in motion, and her face, which was often animated with smiles and laughter. Everything she did was emphatic. As I reflected on these memories and images, I started to tease apart my perception of her body, form, from my perception of her thoughts and emotions, formations. And I realized that what I'd thought of as Judy's personality was really the formations I saw in her, her thoughts, moods, emotions, speech, and actions. In general, we describe someone as warm or cold, generous or stingy, 
smart or deluded based on the formations we observe in them. I began to see that what I had taken as Judy's solid self was actually a joining together of two components, her body as it was animated by her personality. It slowly dawned on me that this pairing was not intrinsic. She might have looked the same, but have had a different personality, or she could have had the same personality in a different body. Nor was this pairing irrevocable. Clearly, after, uh, after death, the two were no longer joined. Her body was still here, but the personality was gone. I had fused them in my mind, and now I saw that the connection between body and personality that I'd lumped together was not solid at all, almost accidental. Talking a bit, reflecting a bit on Judy's personality and that a, a personality is born and dies pretty much every instant. He says there is some overall consistency to someone's personality, but that just means that similar patterns of changing formations occur and reoccur. No formation is fixed. My sister, I now say, was an ongoing body which had to die at some point, coupled with a different stream altogether that was the constantly shifting parade of her thoughts and moods, expressions and emotions. I'd understood something in a new way that helped to settle this question for me. This insight also changed how I see myself. I too am not a single fusion of body and formations. The body is going to die and the formations will do whatever they do. There's not a single I to be found here. Understanding these two streams as separate strands of being, each following its own laws was freeing for me. It helped me to let go of some of the attachment to this body and it left me lighter and more trusting about the formations of the mind. The freedom I felt was pointed, pointed to directly in a poem written by Ajahn Mun, sometime after his enlightenment. The poem is called Verses on Liberation from the Aggregates. Once you know the nature of the five aggregates, the heart will be pure and clean, free from stain with no more issues. If you know in this way, it is supreme because you see the truth and gain release. Such was Guy Armstrong's process of reflection and grieving with his sister. So tonight I'm pointing to a deeper dive into the working ground of bhavana, meditation. Uh, exploring a way of looking at experience that, as I said, radically undermines and weakens clinging as the heart grows wise and free. Again, the five aggregates are form, feeling, uh, that is feeling tone, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, perception, this basic categorization, formations for tonight, thoughts and consciousness, the knowing. So we've tuned into this through the sort of everyday, like scanning through the aggregates in the hot shower. We've seen one of the one of the ways aggregates can be a basis for meditation, especially as a way of interrogating thoughts, in my case, an agitating thought. And then heard from Guy Armstrong about this powerful contemplation for him and his uh, insights into himself and his sister. So the key is I want to highlight it tonight is meditating on the aggregates 
can reveal this comp composite nature of subjective experience and loosen clinging's grip and incline the heart toward release. Thanks very much. <laughs>